Thank you for coming here today. It's me, Linda Sage, on Learning From Life. One thing I can promise you, there'll be people to meet over the airways here you'll never forget. Some, as long as you live. Let's just say, most have had what could be termed as an interesting life. It's not what happens, it's how you deal with it. And one line from any of them could change the way you deal with things forever. There'd be landing from all parts of the planet, all ages, backgrounds and experiences. Telling the truth of how it was and how they manage things may just help you miss a rock or two along your road too. And welcome to uh, this week's programme. I'm Linda Sage and thank you so much for joining us again in the studio. I'm very lucky. I have got some uh, fantastic guests that have been joining me and today is no different. So a lovely lady and actually she's in New York. So we have uh, international conference today, which is with the lovely Evelyn Fallows. So Evelyn, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Linda, for inviting me on your podcast. It's so good to talk to you. I know, I mean, I know we could talk for days, but let alone hours and minutes. So we've really got to be uh, quite concise on this one because the time goes so quickly. It does. But uh, let's uh, hear a little bit about your your history, your your story. My story. So to make it short, I always say that I am I am a citizen of a world who happened to be born in France. And um, I met my husband, who's American, in Paris 20-something years ago, and uh, we embarked on an uh, expat life. We first went to, to South Korea, where we stayed for five years, and Hong Kong for four years, then Saudi Arabia, where you and I met. Mm-hmm. And then in 2017, we uh, decided to come to New York, where I had never lived. I had never lived in the States. So uh, for me, this is like another expat posting. And for my husband, it's coming home. So that was an interesting, uh, in our life together, this was the first time. No, actually, because we met in Paris. So I I was not an expat in Paris, but he was. So that was a bit like going back to the beginning of our relationship. And... um, I am a fitness trainer by day and a a fiction writer by night, if that makes any sense. Let's say that writing is my hobby and fitness training is my job. And your writing is, is, uh, is growing. It is. And, um, especially these days now with the lockdown, with the coronavirus, I have, I'm stuck at home. I mean, not stuck, but, you know, everything is closed. So I thought this is a perfect opportunity to go back to a couple of ongoing projects I had. I'm wrapping up a screenplay with another writer, uh, my friend Justin, and um, I'm working on my third novel. So, yes, it's, it's going pretty well. I'm enjoying it. It's fun. I mean, that that must be quite a, a big thing because moving countries is never easy. And if you've got two people from two different cultures in a relationship that obviously has obstacles of its own and then going to live in a third country. So that must have been quite telling, especially on a, a new relationship. Yes. It, what was interesting to me was when we arrived in New York, so that was almost three years ago, 
I didn't know how passionate my husband was with American football. Because when we lived abroad, uh, either we didn't get the channels that showed the Super Bowl and other uh, games, or it was like at 5 a.m. For, for us, you know. So my husband wasn't really into it. And then we came here, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, there's Sunday football. I'm like, okay, Sunday I can do. And then it was, oh, but there's also Monday night football. And then there was Saturday football. And I said to him, I said, you know what? South Korea didn't break us. Saudi Arabia didn't break us, but I'm afraid that American football might. So that was one of those little funny things that I discovered about my husband coming here. Um, but otherwise, we haven't had too many challenges. And I guess, you know, having lived in exotic and challenging places like Asia and Saudi Arabia, I think easy, New York was a pretty easy adjustment all in all. Yeah. So uh, what do you like about uh, the expat life? I like mostly, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a pretty good people's person. So I like to communicate. I like to find out about people. I love to hear their stories. I like to meet people from different backgrounds, cultures, nationalities, races, languages. So the expat life for me was a way to meet people that I would probably never have met, you know, had I stayed in France, obviously, like you and I would never have met, you know, what were the chances of us meeting and we met in Saudi Arabia of all places. Yeah. And I often think this is a fantastic opportunity we had um, living abroad to not only to discover different countries and their cultures and travel around, but to meet people. And today, our closest friends are the ones we met during our expat years. And we try to make a point to stay in touch with them despite the distance. <clears throat> so, yeah, I would say, and, and also living as an expat and and we always, and I want to make that clear because it's not everybody's case, but we always lived on the good side of expat life. We always had lived in very good, you know, with very good conditions. And so for us, it was a very positive experience. Um, it's also a way to challenge yourself, to reinvent yourself. You know, you have to go out of your comfort zone. You, um, I remember one thing that made me laugh when I moved to South Korea is the number of French women in, in the in the French community of Seoul who complained because they couldn't find a hairdresser who spoke French or a gynecologist who spoke French. And I thought, well, you know, you are in South Korea. <laughs> so it was funny for me to see how some people, although they live abroad, they are not really equipped or willing to make that step, you know, to adjust as much as they can to the the place where they live. And I studied Korean when I lived in Korea. Uh, I didn't study uh, Cantonese in Hong Kong because everybody speaks English there. I studied Arabic. I tried at least, um, you know, just to show my interest in the culture and the country where I was living. I think that's important as well because it makes life a little bit easier when, when you do need to do something. It does. And also it shows locals that you are, you know, you are also interested in them. And most of the times the reaction was extremely positive. I remember in South Korea, you know, even if I said, 
hello, annyeonghaseyo. They were beside themselves. They're like, oh, you speak Korean. And then they started telling me the life story in Korean. And at that point, I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can get by in a taxi. I can order food. But that's about it. But it was funny to see the reaction. Same thing with Arabic. People in Saudi Arabia um, were very welcoming to foreigners who made the effort to, you know, to to try to speak Arabic like like I did. Yeah, it is phenomenal to think. You know, you, you've moved so many places. So obviously, you've been very, very adaptable. Is there anything that really a good piece of information or advice that you were given when you were sort of starting out or you know moving from country to country? Um. Well, when we left Paris, Tom was with Citibank, and we had um, a relocation uh, company help us and. I'm glad they did because at that point when I arrived in in uh, South Korea, I didn't speak a word of Korean, and so they were very helpful, you know, with with the school for our son, housing, etc., getting around. Um, no, I didn't really have experience, to be honest. I think it was more as I went along, I tried to find my my way, and 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 what was very important for me was to connect with people, to find local resources, either within the expat community or the local community, and because it is important to to have your network, your support system in place when you are so far away from home, and that was very helpful. So for me, you know, all those associations, those groups. Um, were very helpful. Like in in Seoul, I was um, a member of the Seoul International Women's Association, and we did a lot of a lot of uh, charity work. We had meetings. We organized uh, events. In Hong Kong, I was with the American Women's Group. So you know, it 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 helped. And I think that's very important before somebody moves abroad is to find out about the resources in the country or in the city. And that's actually what happened when I moved to New York. So when I knew we were leaving Saudi Arabia, I started Googling, you know, online the different groups for expats in New York, and I found two or three. So I sent a message saying, I'm moving to New York early or summer 2017. I'd like to connect with some of you. And one lady, Renata, she's uh, from uh, Brazil, and she said, yes, I'm, I'm here, I'm happy to meet. So we had lunch together, and then she introduced me to a friend, and then her friend Amel, and then her friend Amel introduced me to her friend, and that's how I kind of built my expat community group in New York. And that's very valuable, you know, to reach out to newcomers, whether they are, if you have time to even just, you know, have a cup of coffee, have lunch, have exchange tips and advice. I think that can be very helpful for anyone coming to a new country or yeah. new city. New city, yeah. Or even uh, yeah. You know, just moving away from, from family and friends. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So let's... And it is- Sorry, sorry. sorry, I was just going to say, let, let's just uh, have a, a quick chat with uh, you about your books. How, how did you get into writing? Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite funny because I never really was into writing. I mean, I, I was never really interested in writing. And keep in mind that French is my native language. So um, 
I was in Saudi Arabia in the 90s when I was fresh out of college and I was working for a princess as a French tutor. And at that time, you know, we didn't have internet and all that. And I was a bit bored because the princess wasn't taking a lot of her French classes. And so I started writing a diary, you know, about my impressions, what was going on in the palace, the people I met, the princess and her life. And people back home, my family and friends kept on saying, oh, you should write a book, you should write a book. This is a great story, you know, especially at that time in the 90s, to be a woman, a young single woman traveling alone to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was pretty, not unique, but it was not very common. And I kept those diaries. I'm like, yeah, no, no, thank you. I'm not interested. And then fast forward, we ended up coming back to Saudi Arabia as a family in 2009. And I started, so that's when I established my uh, fitness business. And I started working with Saudi um, Saudi women. And, you know, same thing. I got a, a look into their lives. I went to their homes. I, I met, in some cases, I met their husbands and kids and parents. And... Again, people around me started saying, oh, you should write a book, you should write a book. And one day I was talking to, um, to a friend of mine, a Saudi friend, Madiha, and I said, you know, I'm thinking of writing a book. And she said to me, if you have a story to tell, by all means, do. And that, that's all it took. That little sentence, it was like opening that door for me. And then I went back, I read those diaries again, and... That's how my first novel was born, The Polar Bear and the Palm Tree. That is part fiction, part what happened to me in, in my early years in Saudi Arabia and more recently. I chose to make it half-half because I didn't want to reveal too much, you know, because I didn't want to betray those women who had trusted me and had told me their stories. But So basically, that's how it happened. But I always, I will always thank Madeha for opening that door. And then I started writing and I realized I enjoyed it. And I realized I had many stories to tell. So that was the beginning. So. And, and how come the second one came along? So the first one was in English because that story just came in English to me. I had to write it in English. And then, of course, my family and friends back in France said, oh, but we don't, we don't read English well enough. How about a book in French? And I tried to write The Polar Band, The Palm Tree in French, and it just didn't work for some reason. And so I was talking to my husband, and my husband said, you know, you should write something you know something you're experiencing now and at that point i was in new york and he said well what about writing about life in new york from a french perspective and that's how the second novel was born which is called bigoudi a new york city which means basically curlers in new york city because my main character wears curlers that's just a little wink wink funny uh uh you know character trait uh -huh. and and then uh, one of my friends here who writes screenplays, he does. He didn't read my book because he didn't read French, but he, I told him about it. And he said, I love the characters. I love the setting. How about we write a screenplay? So that's how the screenplay happened. So it's like, you know, everything fall into place. And so now we adapted, the screenplay is adapted on my second novel, Characters. But we're taking them on a whole new adventure. And um, we already have a Hollywood agent um, who read it the first time and who was 
very much interested and he just asked us to rewrite the second half. So that's what we're working on, but we're almost finished now. So, wow, yeah. so we got to see you in Hollywood oh. next. Oh, that's my dream. Yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't it be fun? Oh, yeah. that would I'll be let amazing. you know. Your girl get you a ticket for the Golden Globes or whatever you call oh, it. Oh, that would be wonderful. <laughs> Academy Awards or, yeah. So, so, yeah, big things come from uh, small beginnings. I think, yeah, I think also it's it's being open to to the to the opportunities and the possibilities. If anyone had told me twenty years ago, ten years ago, you're going to write books, I would have been like, yeah, right. And same thing, the screenplay. When Justin approached me, I was not really. I'm like, I'm not interested in writing a screenplay. Why would I write a screenplay? And I'm actually enjoying it now. And and I learned with him to to write a screenplay because it's completely different, obviously, than writing a novel. And yeah, so it's it's all it's leaving those doors open. Allow yourself to explore what you might enjoy or might be good at. And but uh, but I agree with you. It's small things can can lead to maybe not big things, but can definitely open the door to other things. And that's what I'm seeing now. And uh, I even got approached recently by a lady from Sweden who said, you know, um, I have a story to tell and I would like your opinion on how to write that story. And it's like, wow, you know, this is this is amazing. It's so it's going forward somehow. Um so, yeah, I'm pretty happy about that. Fantastic. So everybody is uh, keeping well with your family there? They're enjoying New York life as well? Yeah, everybody's. Um, our son lives in uh, Manhattan too, so and he's working here. And, uh, yeah, he loves New York. My husband, Tom, has adjusted well, although <laughs> it was a bit hard for him to come back home after 20-something years and, and with the current administration, he wasn't thrilled. But, um, yeah, we're making the best with what the city has to offer and the city has to offer a lot, oh, to be honest. Amazing yeah. city. Yeah. Hope to see you one day in New York when all this is over and everything is back to normal. That would be excellent, yeah. So it's, it's on my to-do list, but to-do-again list, should I say. Yeah. Cause, Good. Because I, I, I do enjoy the city. Yeah, but unfortunately, as normal, time has run away with us. So uh, I do have to say thank you so much, even for joining us today and just sharing your amazing story because yours is really a global story that so many people can you know take pieces from. So uh, thank you so much for giving us your time and uh, all your information. Thank you, Linda. It was a pleasure, and all the best to you. Thank you, and we will speak soon. Thank you. Take care. So for today, we come to the end again. Unfortunately, these uh, 20 minutes seem to go very, very quickly. It's because I have such amazing guests. So Evelyn Fellows, if you want to uh, Google her, you find all sorts of uh, information and her books as well. So uh, please ha uh, have a look. And of course, I will be back with you next time with another amazing guest. So uh, up till then, take care, look after yourself and bye for now. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded in conjunction with the Chapel FM Art Centre and East Leeds FM radio station. For more information about them and all the good work that they do is www.elfm.co.uk. And to know more about what Linda Sage is doing, her website is www.lindasage.com. Also on all the other social medias.